0: Growing with Ashley Frasca
1: Plants, flowers, trees and stuff Brought to you by Pike Nurseries
0: On
2: 95.5 WSB Happy Saturday morning We're together again It's Ashley Frasca live in the studios at WSB Off of West Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta I've got Greg with me this morning i got DeMarco with me this morning Of course Mike Shields is going to be doing traffic updates throughout the show Glad you're here Welcome, welcome There's a lot to talk about in the fall, you know, summer, you had your summer vegetable garden You still do um, But you can kind of just go on cruise control with everything in the summertime You're busy anyways, you're traveling, the kids are out of school And there's just a lot going on Plus it's hot, you don't want to be outside as much when it's hot So now we're starting to dip down into fall We've had all the rain showers and I'm already thinking transition I'm already thinking seasonal change I love the fall Didn't plant pumpkin seeds yet I'm thinking I'm going to this weekend I'm probably too late I think I was too late last year too Um, But So there's a lot going on There's a lot to do You've got the perennials That kind of stayed alive all summer long and kept you happy Stayed flowering Gave you some color And now maybe starting to think about uh, Transitioning some of those annuals In your flower beds I want to know How you transition your vegetable garden Even if you just have one or two tomato plants But you want to do something else You want to do greens You want to do broccoli Brussels sprouts Something like that I want to know how you start to make that transition And and make the space And also determine You know, if you have a limited space Well, you got to take out the old stuff Before you can put the new stuff in And that's what I'm struggling with right now My tomato plants still look pretty good Still keeping my fingers crossed for squash Which is probably beating my head against a wall But just knowing when it's time It's time to yank out the old stuff Put in the new stuff I want to know how you have a strategy or a calendar for that 404-872-0750 is the number on green and growing to get through So we'd love to talk to you First, I want to fill you in on what's going on this weekend It began yesterday, and today is the second and final day of the Great Georgia Pollinator Census And you've heard me talk about this Uh, We had Becky Griffin on last year to talk about it, and then it was cool We did a follow-up with her uh, a month or two later to see the results, how Georgia did for that And Becky was with us just a few weeks ago And we're back to that. I mean, these things, my gosh, I can't believe it's already been a year. But this is great. Sponsored by the University of Georgia Extension. And Becky Griffin, our friend, is the project coordinator there. So how do you participate? And listen up, because if you've got kids, this is going to be something really easy and fun to do. It's a census designed for all Georgia citizens to participate. School groups can do it. Families can do it. Maybe some school groups did it yesterday. Fingers crossed that that was The case, Uh, you don't have to be an entomologist to participate, she says Just basic insect identification is really all you need You just got to categorize the insects that you see in your area for 15 minutes Whether it's bees, flies, butterflies, other insects And you kind of got to break it down into general bee categories, right? We kind of know if it's a honeybee, a little furry guy uh, A carpenter bee, a bumblebee, they look a little bit different And then you're asked to choose a favorite pollinator plant, right? So anything that's got pollen, that flowers, that's flowering right now and has a lot of blooms on it. A plant from your garden that shows insect activity to count. That's all you got to do. You count and identify the insects that land on the flowers of that plant for 15 minutes. So get a camping chair, pull the chair off your back deck, something like that. Yes, you're going to sit in front of a plant for 15 minutes. Uh, But a page that they have put together... Helps you track your counts How many bees, how many flies, how many butterflies And also how many times a bee lands on that plant So if the bee flies away, it comes back Well, that's the second visit So that certainly counts as well So the website, Great Georgia Pollinator Census It's going to be gga, for Georgia, pc.org gga, pc.org And it's cool Becky and the team have put worksheets there Where you can actually, you know, have those beside you to maybe identify the bees a little more quickly They have suggestions on how to pick out a pollinator plant in your yard if you're not really sure Um, You could even have a hydrangea, knockout rose, I mean those may not be as full of activity um, But echinacea, you know, coneflower, I'm thinking about my petunias Uh, Even the hummingbirds love stopping by the petunias so anything like that, that you can keep an eye on That you're going to be able to take a census of insects Just like they do with us every 10 years We've got to do this just to make sure that those populations are staying up Because that's so important to the entire world Just to make sure that we're able to continue on with our crops and survive And, you know, the ecosystem just needs to go on and on And we're a big part of that So. G-G-A-P-C dot org Today is the second and final day Of the Great Georgia Pollinator Census And if you have questions, you can certainly Email me um, And I'll be happy to answer them Or visit me on the Facebook page Or I'll put you in touch with Becky If it's a little bit more complicated question I know I did it last year Didn't have a hard time doing it at all Um, So I'll do it again this year So the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB Search that on Facebook Green and Growing WSB Some weeks I'm super active and post something for you every day This week was a little crazy, so maybe just two or three posts about things But just sharing with you things that I learn or things that I'm doing And so many of you give such great feedback um, on that And I so appreciate it And every Monday I try to do Weed of the Week um, So that you know what weeds you're seeing in the landscape And how to treat them as well And then we're going to get into highway horticulture Really when the seasons change I think is when I love doing that photo album Of highway horticulture Seeing big trees that are flowering Or big blooms on something And you're seeing it everywhere It's common in Georgia but you never knew the name of it So trying to identify those for you too And tell you a little bit more about those plants So there's a lot of good resources And I share links Um, To all of the guests and all of the friends that I have on the show Which, speaking of, today, of course um, In about 15 to 20 minutes We'll have our friend Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, come up And I have a lot of questions about tomato diseases Because, yeah, you're thinking Tomatoes are almost done You know, summer's kind of winding down Well, not so A lot of you maybe did second plantings a little bit later To where you're going to be able to still get some tomatoes off those plants Um, And if you struggled with diseases Now is the time to kind of really hone in on that And see what you did And Walter's going to maybe help you What you had as far as identifying a disease And then you'll be armed for next year To make sure you don't make the same mistakes So we're going to be talking about that In the 7 o'clock hour I'll have Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago Back from Premier Tree Solutions You hear me talk about them during the week ChopMyTree.com And we want to talk about storm damage um, And tree health and man, we had some storms, goodness gracious I don't know, for any of you that are familiar with East Atlanta And you travel over by Pont City Market and North Avenue North Avenue was shut down for at least 24 hours I think they've removed the tree now But when I was covering traffic yesterday morning That tree had come down Thursday evening Huge tree, the entire width of North Avenue fell just Straight onto North Avenue So traffic was being turned around And all that kind of stuff Near Glen Iris Drive So how do we prevent that? Or how can we at least Be a little more mindful Of when those things may happen Because it could be your house It could be your car It could be someone Driving down the road As a tree falls Because the soil is so saturated And the roots have come loose And so I want you to Be a little armed With the knowledge Of knowing what to look for And preventing this And calling a tree company um, before any damage is done or any you know lives are har- harmed um, by any of that So Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com coming along a little later And then for those of you that struggle with the deer My gosh, I don't know if you've got the bunnies, if you've got the deer If you've got all kinds of problems and varmints in the yard Moles and voles and things like that Pike Nursery has some great suggestions for deer-resistant plants Or at least something that will repel them Um, Plants that you can plant that they're going to leave alone That are still great to enjoy in the landscape They're still going to provide a lot of color A lot of flower for you So I can't wait to hear Also some of the products they have in the store Um, You've already got the plants that you like They're established in your landscape But you still want to keep the deer away We do have some suggestions for that So that coming up, of course, at 8.30 So I will be with you for three hours this morning on green and growing, 404-872-0750 is the number. Before we take a break and check traffic and weather, I think we've got time to talk to Martha and Marietta. Good morning, welcome to the show. Hello, hey,
0: I've been been listening to your to Walter Reeves ever since. I mean, he's been on I,
2: What a good guy, right? Did you listen yeah, to Kathy oh yeah. Henderson before Walter?
0: Oh, dear, Kat yeah, Kathy Anderson and her famous, uh, I use her famous uh, recipe for
2: ambrosia. Oh, hey, look at that. That's awesome. Now, what's your best time of year to make that, Martha? I mean, it sounds refreshing Oh, it's around summer. Christmas time. Christmas, okay. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Well, how can I help you today?
0: Well, I have an unusual loan problem. Okay. I, uh, about four years, four or five years ago, I started getting this long trailing thing in my lawn. I have a centipede, mostly a centipede loan. I have some Zoysia, but I keep them separated a little bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this long, long, it looks like, When you first look at it, you think, I got real long runners of centipede. It's not centipede. I took it out to Home Depot, and the girl looked it up on the computer, and it's something called buffalo grass.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I don't
0: have any buffaloes, and I don't have a pasture. (laughs) Where did this weed come from? I mean, it can be anywhere from 10 inches long to 3 feet
2: long. Isn't that crazy? And I've been...
0: been pulling it up by the bushel basket. Well I'm too old to be bending over pulling up weeds like this. I got to get something because it, it would it would take over oh. it would take over the centipede and the zoysia I oh, believe. Yeah.
2: And and you and I both, Martha, we are too old and we just don't have the time To pull that up And I want to make it easy for you So yeah, buffalo grass It's actually perennial to the Great Plains You know, Montana to Mexico And all of that And of course, you know Has something to do with buffalo And the herds and things like that And it's funny Since it's low-growing And, you know, shoots out those runners That could be, my gosh 10 to 12 inches in length I guess it's kind of funny thinking Oh, you know, buffalo eat a lot So we got to shoot out some long sprigs (laughs) To keep the buffalo happy So I definitely want to give you some tips On how to combat that Because you got to get ahead of it Before it gets ahead of you So we're going to take a break Check traffic and weather It's 619 I want you to hang on Martha Because I have some suggestions for you On how to treat buffalo grass We'll be back You're listening to Green and Growing On WSB
1: It's Scott Slade Host of Atlanta's Morning News On 95.5 WSB The News Weather and Traffic Team Will be here first thing Monday morning To help you get back to work on time And informed Now back to Green and Growing With Ashley Frasca On 95.5 WSB Atlanta's News and Talk
2: Currently 74 degrees on Peachtree Street Reaching a high of about 88 today Scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon And uh, a high of 90 tomorrow Same story, chance of rain tomorrow 30% So I want to get Martha an answer for that Buffalo grass Now it's hard to use something like You know, anything that on the label says Bermuda grass control or something like that Oh yeah, cool, that's going to work on buffalo But guess what, it's also going to take out Bermuda, zoysia, the warm season grasses So you have to be careful Because it does put out runners, buffalo grass Kind of similar in nature To something like a, a centipede Or a uh, Bermuda So really what you need to do, Martha The best start you can do is start planning ahead To early spring when you want to put out A pre-emergent, something that's going to Stop it from even starting New new grass So something that Walter talked about for years, Scott's puts out a product, HALTS, H-A-L-T-S, HALTS Crabgrass and Grassy Weed Preventer. Usually one application of that in the spring is going to be okay, but another fall application doesn't hurt as well. But it's got to be a cycle. It's got to be a year or two that you're using that religiously to really start to get it to work. And then proper fertilization of the grass that you have And strengthening the grass that you have So that it has the ability to choke out The buffalo grass, which is what we don't want So thanks so much for the call Martha, put that in your in your Calendar, HALTS, H-A-L-T-S Start using that in the spring as a pre-emergent And you'll start to get ahead of it Green and
1: Growing Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca Here's your garden to-do list This week
2: This is one of my favorite parts of the show Because I get to spend your money And kind of tell you like Hey, here's what you could buy this weekend Here's what you could spend money on But then hopefully you're rewarded um, Just in abundance for the things that I recommend So now is the time to plant and enjoy climbing vine Uh, Sweet autumn clematis, great Smells good Consider jasmine too It'll bloom for the fall Um, Any of those are just going to be really pretty in the fall You get to enjoy that for a little bit Number two, pinch growing tips from overgrown coleus and begonias and other summer annuals And even keep mums compact through the fall season Oops, I overwintered some and they are anything but compact But I'm afraid to cut them now Because, you know, they're going to want to start to bloom in the fall So, okay, maybe I'm a little late for that Uh, Number three, now is a good time to spray kudzu With a non-selective weed killer Mow all visible foliage And last week, a lot of you asked about poison ivy control too I use Bio Advanced Brush Killer, and also a friend of mine recently telling me about Burnite or Burnout Bonide makes Burnout, and they've had success with that on Kudzu in English Ivy too. Tell me what you think. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. We'll be back hopefully hear from you and talk to Walter Reeves in less than ten minutes here on WSV
1: Caterpillar
0: to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca Plants, flowers,
1: trees, and stuff Brought to you by Pike Nurseries
0: On 95.5 WSB
2: Green and Growing right here on your radio dial Hey Ashley Frasca, thanks for sitting in on uh, what has been a hot few weeks Here as we approach the end of August But glad you're here, 404 8720750. Going to get to more calls very soon, as soon as possible. But first, Walter Reeves, up next. Walter's
1: Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves.
2: Just over there, unassuming, patiently holding on the phone. <laughs> Good morning.
1: Good morning, Ashley.
2: So, how do you wake up for this? You have to set an alarm. I'm sure your body does not you naturally had wake had up at six o'clock anymore. <laughs>
1: my body is not excited about 6 30 but we do this because i think it's important to point out things that garters need to know and i'm always about that always teaching garters new things and hints and tips for being more
2: successful. Oh, and people so appreciate you still. So um and you're still putting out the newsletter through WSB Radio, yeah, yeah, right?
1: Sure. Every two weeks, every Thursday it comes
2: out. They can sign up for that for free by going to WSBradio.com. You look for the little icon, I think it's near the top, it says newsletter. That's free. I think there was one from Jamie yep. Dupree. There's one, you know, just with the yep. top three things you need to know every day to get your day started. So that is a good idea. All right. So their articles, you know listicles if you will you know 10 different ways to do this or 20 different blah 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 so of course i've seen this circulating around the internet 20 common tomato plant problems and diseases how to fix them Uh um and really some of that stuff's oversimplified but i find that gardeners talking to each other and hearing some of your advice and not making the same mistakes twice that's really your best, uh, your best shot at kind of getting ahead of some tomato diseases. So where do yeah. we stand this late in the season? You know, we've had really hot and dry. And then back in July, I think we had 13 days of straight rainfall, which probably threw a lot of people. Um, just, you know, Mother Nature giving us more rain than we could handle at the time. What has that done to our tomato crops now, Walter?
1: i don't think any time of the year is a time to look at tomatoes and say do i have anything starting now and it could be late in the season it could be early in the season one particular disease is called early blight mm-hmm. i see it starting anytime from april through september so you can have a disease called early characteristics so that it starts at the bottom of the tomato plant the leaves turn yellow they have black spots on them turn yellow and it progresses up the plant and that tomato blight is best Provided, I guess, by mulching underneath the plants with soil, and jumping upon the leaves when it's being irrigated, and also pulling off diseased leaves if they occur on the plant. That's always a good way to prevent disease is to prevent those leaves that are sick from staying on the plant.
2: Yeah, and to a point, though, you've got to be careful because obviously the plant needs a lot of those leaves to photosynthesize and produce the sugars yeah. and all that kind of thing. So at what point have you just removed so many leaves that you're not helping the plant at all?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess the plant will tell you when it's not blooming, <laughs> not uh, ripening tomatoes on it. <clears throat> the other thing that can happen in the late in the season is the various wilts that happen on tomatoes. There's one called bacterial wilt, one mm-hmm. called fusarium wilt. A uh, fusarium is not as common as it used to be because a lot of tomato varieties have a resistance to it. they bred into the tomato. The manufacturers of the tomato seeds have bred into the tomato itself, the resistance to fusarium wilt. Bacterial wilt, though, boy, that is a bad thing to have in a tomato garden. And the characteristics of bacterial wilt is plant looks great one day and then the day hey, say, doggone it's sort of wilty at the end of the day, and it recovers overnight, but it's good in the morning, but then over the day it wilt wilts, and wilts so a little further. And that wilt progresses to the whole plant wilted like it's been hit with scalding hot water or something. Still green, but wilted down to the ground. And that is bacterial wilt. And it's a disease there in the soil. So it's uh, mm. in the soil. You can't get it out of the soil. Oh, you no. pretty much have to move your tomatoes. You can't plant any more tomatoes there. And like that's, corn, plant peas.
2: Yeah, when tomatoes. we talk about crop rotation and actually doing just a whole nother family of vegetables in that spot, what would you say uh-huh. for the next two or three years to give it time to get out of yeah, the soil?
1: Yeah, a couple of years, yeah. And then of course, there are people who say, well, I can't do that. I don't have a, a space to move my tomatoes. There's a way around that. You excavate a large area about two feet across and a foot deep and take all the soil in that area out and throw it in another place in the garden or in your landscape and uh, plant your tomatoes in that and new soil, new planting soil, new uh, soil that will be good for tomatoes. And since it's sterile soil, the tomato will not have bacterial wilt for a long time. Usually you can get a good harvest off the tomatoes before they succumb to the bacterial wilt. And so that's one way of getting around it, Is just replace the soil in the garden area.
2: Good. Okay. Now, what about uh, how many of you out there dealt with powdery mildew? We know it when we see it. The yeah. name is super descriptive. Um, kind of, you know, a lack of airflow, maybe high humidity yeah. affecting the yeah. leaves there. Is that one that we can just pick the leaves off and go about our business or we actually have to use something? Yeah.
1: Pick the leaves off, and it's characteristic in the fall. When you have cool nights and warm days, that's what powdered mildew loves. It's very common in the spring, and then in the summertime it's not so common, and then in the fall comes the cool nights, warm days, and powdery mildew rears its head again. And that is one that uh, picking leaves is not a bad idea. Probably it's the best thing to do there. The oil disease, such oil and neem oil and could work some, I guess, on uh, powdered mildew, but picking the leaves is better.
2: All right. And I can hear folks shouting at the radio right now. One we haven't talked about. And uh, wow, you're going to surprise some folks with this one. Blossom and rot. Again, we know what that is. You know, the the end of the bottom of the tomato where the flower was, that part starts to rot out and brown and get soft before the rest of the tomato. Um, Not to say, you know, all of these people that instantly, oh, it's a lack of calcium. I know it's a lack of calcium. Not to say yeah. that they're wrong, but there's more to the story than that, Walter.
1: Yeah, I used to. And I have to beg for forgiveness, I guess, for a <laughs> lot of gardeners. I used to say, yes, yeah, lack of calcium. It adds some calcium, puts the lime in the soil. There's other things that have lime spray calcium chloride on the leaves, but none of that, that is right. The blossom end rot is caused by a lack of calcium, yes, but it's more caused by insufficient water. Being able to take the calcium to the fruit. And so if you keep the, cat, the watering uh, consistent throughout the growing season, you won't have lots of them to rot. And another thing, and I know people love to use the water-soluble house plant fertilizer that's blue, I don't know I'll name a name here, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. But that water-soluble house plant fertilizer that's blue had a lot of nitrogen in it. It makes a tomato plant really grow fast. And gardeners love that, of course. But the faster they grow, the less, less ability they have to move water out to the fruit, which ends up in lack of calcium in the fruit, which ends up in blossom ends rot. Yeah. So be judicious, I guess is the right word. Don't over-fertilize with the house plant fertilizer when it's blue. It can cause blossom end rot.
2: And, you know, for those who have been really steady and keeping up with watering, I commend you and your, your vegetable gardens all summer long, but that was a, a game-changer to me to learn more is better, deep waterings less frequently yeah. than literally feeling like you have to be out there with the hose or the watering can every day. You're really kind of wasting your time.
1: Yeah, you will. well said. There. Actually, more deeper waterings less frequently, that's the way to do it.
2: I love that. that. That makes it easier on us. And, you know, I mean, if Mother Nature hasn't provided the rain and the water, I don't know. I mean, for me, two times a week has been sufficient. But I stand out there yeah, and really soak is. at the bottom of the plant. And I feel that that's fine. Let
1: me, let me mention a couple of other things that happen with tomatoes at the late in the year. Sure. One is temperature. You know, it's hot in August. It has been hot for a while. But the hotter it gets, above 90 degrees particularly, is when the tomatoes stop pollinating very well and that is a thing that bothers people The flowers come on the tomato plant but they fall off and it get any tomatoes from them and the way to fix that is to take a little stick or pencil or chopstick or something just tap the uh... blossom clus- clusters of the yellow flowers on the tomato plant and when you tap it with a stick it shakes the pollen loose and so it becomes unstuck in the heat pollinates itself you get tomatoes everybody's happy that's what you like so tap your tomatoes in the when it's hot out the outside and if you have tomatoes that are sort of half um, half red, half green, the heat also keeps it from ripening. You can take the tomato off the vine, put it there inside, and the kitchen window, it'll ripen up and be tastes just fine. But the heat does two things, prevents pollination and prevents ripening.
2: Interesting. Okay, that's a good one. And
1: again, let me repeat one more time. If your tomato has just a little bit of pink on it, it will ripen completely and fully and just like it's on the vine where the birds could peck on it and <laughs> get into it things like that. So sometimes it's better to go ahead and take your pink tomatoes off the vine, put them inside. You can put them in a paper bag if you want to, but the kitchen windows perfectly sufficient. It's not ripen indoors.
2: You heard that little tomato growing contest that I had a couple weeks ago, oh, wrapping yeah, yeah, that yeah. up, Judd and uh, Mark Arum and Tad from B98. Those guys, I was so proud of them because they really (laughs) learned some things in that. And, uh, you know, only two had some success out of the four, but they also shared that as well. You know, like commonly ripening them on the windowsill, but one of them brought that info of, hey, brown paper bag. And then, oh, I think it was... Tad was like, wait, you put the whole plant in a brown paper bag? I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Just the tomato to help it ripen a little more quickly. So that was a fun contest. We'll have to get you involved next year, but I bet you'll beat them.
1: Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> 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 Did anybody have squirrels eat the tomatoes? That's what happens to me every year. The last two years, I have not got a single tomato because squirrels ate my plant. That
2: is Judd's complaint. That was Judd's number yep. one enemy. Yep. And then uh, Mark Aram's was a deer. A deer just flat out ate the oh, entire man. plant. Uh, yep. Nature's geez. helpers. You can't blame them. If we think it's <laughs> yummy, then they do too. And actually, tomato plants have a great smell, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah I think so. I think I like uh, feeling and smelling as a past the tomato plants, smell that tomato vine, smell it, smells
2: good, Sounds it does. good to me a lot. How much longer should we really leave, you know, the tomato plants in the ground? Here we are close to the end of August. I mean, at what point does it behoove us just to go ahead and tear them out?
1: My mother one year was so proud to have tomatoes on the vine at Thanksgiving. Oh. So I would say follow my mother's lead, don't give up the ship. Okay. But if it's a, the it's a vine is brown, And unless somebody has flowers
2: on it, pull it out, put it on the compost pile. There you go. Well, Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, thank you so much for being here. Tell folks how to catch up with you when you're not on the show.
1: Well, I would look at com and look at the search line. You can use one or two words to say, like, tomato diseases or tomato ripening or anything else you want to find out about, put it in the search line, and you will find something that I have written in the last couple of years that will be helpful for you, com
2: For sure. That search engine on your website is fantastic. All right, you'll join us next Saturday. I always appreciate you coming back for more. Thank you, Walter.
1: Look forward to it, Ashley.
2: Time to take a break. Check on traffic and weather, and we'll be back. 95.5 WSB.
1: It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me, too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley.
2: Thank you, Scott. We're back to green and growing. 404 Would love if you want to be a part of the show. In just a minute, we're going to talk to Carol and Marietta about her irises. First, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Scattered thunderstorms today, a mostly cloudy day, but warm and humid. Go figure. Summertime in Georgia, a high of 88, low around 71. And tomorrow... Rain percent chance 30 percent Partly cloudy A few storms possible High of around 90 And then it's going to stay In the 90s guys Sorry As long as uh, I can see Through the beginning of the week At least to Wednesday So be prepared for that
1: Green. Green And growing Ashley Frasca's Top three things to do This weekend
2: Alright, it's a good time to spray kudzu with a non-selective weed killer And that means it's going to kill everything around it, so be careful But if you have kudzu, you probably don't have anything around it Uh, Mow all visible foliage if you can And a lot of you have asked about controlling poison ivy too So something that I always have in the garage Bio-advanced brush killer in the blue bottle Uh, Works great on poison ivy for me, but you got to do repeat applications Um, Look for triclopyr As the active ingredient in some of these things, and also a friend telling me bonides burnout. Burnout works pretty good too. All these things, though, you gotta use when the plant's in active growth to get rid of it. Number two, pinch growing tips from overgrown coleus. Now begonias, cut the stems off any expired geraniums that you've got. Other summer annuals, and even keep mums. Cut just to keep them compact Through the fall season if you've been able to keep them From last year and number three now's the time to plant and enjoy a climbing Vine sweet autumn clematis It smells great and consider Jasmine too for blooms in the fall And also getting into fall thinking about Maybe establishing a climbing hydrangea It's not going to bloom in the fall but now Would be a good time to plant one you got to be patient But that is a beautiful kind of that cottage Look if you have the patience and the time For a climbing hydrangea all right Up next Carol and Marietta good Morning. How can I help you?
3: Good morning. Um, Yes, just recently I found I have iris borers, and you know, I've got a lot of irises in my yard. I've never seen this before. I've had irises for years and years. So um, I started digging out plants and throwing out what was all mushy and all of that. Um, What I read online was that you can replant the ones that aren't, um, you know, mushy and look like they haven't been. Tune into So um, the next thing to do is to just Keep on digging out all of my irises Do I need to do the entire Basically front yard Not not (laughs)
2: necessarily Because you'll see the ones with the Damage to the leaves, you know, the the ones They've already gotten to, I don't believe They overwinter either Um, So whatever hasn't been affected You're fine to leave Okay, and so so in the fall um and i and there wasn't real specific about like what what
3: type time of the fall do i need to cut all the leaves down to the rhizome um and that will help prevent um the the eggs from having a place to to hatch onto exactly Um, and then the other thing is when the um when the leaves get to be about four to six inches tall i'm supposed to if I've had a problem and I'm going to try it this year, is to put it... There's two things that Walter's website had um, recommended, mm-hmm. asafate or spinocet or I don't know how you say that. Uh, I wasn't sure, if, if, is that going to happen in the fall or the spring when the leaves are... You know, if I cut cut them back now, right. they will start growing again. So, yeah.
2: so spinosad is one of those really good ones. Spinosad, it's it's important to apply that when the eggs are hatching, and that's going to be in the springtime when the caterpillars start to lay the eggs and things like that. Carol, I have more to say on this. So, there's the music. Jason Aldeen bringing us out, so we're getting ready to get to the top of the hour. We'll be back. I've got advice for Carol on how to prevent and get rid of the iris borers. She's got. And your calls, 404 750 is green and growing on WSB.